As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Today's episode of the All Angels Podcast is brought to you by SportsDrink, your digital water cooler. SportsDrink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and hate your favorite team. A rising tide floats all boats, so go check them out online and on social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in at S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K. Spelled like sports drink without the vowels. Oh, got it, got it, got it! 33! Center field, Marsh leaps, and he got it! normally high fly ball deep left field oh 27 does it again for this year wall sends it well out to left center field and it's gone he went to jared way this is brandon marsh the los angeles angels baseball you listen to all angels podcasts And welcome to another edition of the All Angels Podcast. I am your host, Daniel Garcia. So coming into this weekend, myself, like I'm sure plenty of you guys, <laughs> thought it was going to be not super easy because you can never take teams for granted. I mean, they are Major League Baseball players. But you did have a feeling coming into this series with the way the Angels played on the road in Texas and Houston that there was going to be some kind of a momentum carryover to this series against the Baltimore Orioles. The same Baltimore Orioles that a lot of people, a lot of professionals, a lot of people who know what they're talking about have picked to lose over 100 games this year and quite handily too. So playing teams that you're supposed to beat, like we mentioned before, you're supposed to beat them for a reason. And that's how you distinguish a good team from, I think, just an average team. Good teams do not drop series to teams they're supposed to be. It's different if it's Anaheim and let's say Seattle. Because in a way, I think Seattle and the Angels are in the same boat. You drop a series to them, I don't think that's a big deal because they are fighting for the same thing and I think they are on the same level. You lose a series to uh, the Houston Astros. No, no fault there. Their team is, you know, maybe a, a tick better than the Angels. You win a series against Houston Astros, it's great momentum. But you can't lose series to teams like Texas and teams of Baltimore. Luckily, the Angels bounced back from losing the opening game against Texas to take that series. Unfortunately, it didn't happen this time. And we start off with the game on Friday night. It was Reed Detmers on the mound. A guy that is looking for some 
some consistency, some almost, I don't want to say he's pitching for a job right now because I kind of feel like that's kind of overdoing it. But at the same time, you look at some of his numbers, you look at like his game split for so far this year. The fact that he's been having trouble getting out of the fourth inning is, I don't want to say a red flag yet because it's still early and it's still the first month. But I guess if you want to believe in a yellow flag, maybe in the middle, I think it is a yellow flag. His first outing, only four innings. That was, uh, you know, Madden playing the pitch count game because the first start after short spring training. Okay, I get that. But after that, his second outing, three and a third. And this outing was able to get to the fifth inning, but was not able to get past the fifth inning. Now, could he have gone past the fifth inning? I kind of thought he could have at least gave it a shot. Um, but Madden had the quick hook on him. Madden had the feeling that he it would have been better going with someone else. Uh, right or wrong, I don't know, but it didn't work for the Angels. So to start off of the game, obviously the big news was Mike Trout is back. Mike Trout is healthy. After sitting out the whole Houston series, um, the fact that he's back in center field, you would think would give the Angels a big lift and a big boost offensively. But as we'll find out throughout this series, didn't exactly happen. The Baltimore Orioles got on the board first when uh, Robinson Torino singled on a ground ball to right field, scoring two, putting the Baltimore Orioles up 2-0 after two. And it pretty much stayed that way the whole rest of the game. Angels struggling to get any kind of offensive momentum going, struggling to get any kind of rhythm going. And against a team like Baltimore, you would think you wouldn't necessarily have that trouble or, you know, you would think you would be able to come up with some of these clutch hits that held the Angels back this whole series. And you kind of started seeing that a little bit with this first game. And it was kind of a um, pattern throughout the whole game, the whole series to a point where they hit, the Angels did, hit into a ton, a ton of double plays. And in this game, it showed hitting into four, four double plays. And me and Chris kind of talked about it earlier uh, on the last podcast. Sometimes strikeouts aren't bad. Sometimes strikeouts happen and yeah, they look bad and it's probably like kind of frowned upon. But how many times during those four double plays would... Angel fans, rather than taking a strikeout and then whoever's up next have a shot to get a base hit or a shot for a home run or, or a shot to just keep the inning going. But four double plays are definitely not going to work, are definitely momentum killers. And it was just something that the Angels kept on doing all all series long. And granted to the Baltimore Orioles pitchers who uh, found something to get these ground balls so consistently and right at someone to turn the double plays, but... Four double plays turned in, in this game on Friday. So, again, uh, Baltimore's up 2-0 uh, after two. It stays that way all the way to the top of the sixth inning where Baltimore scores one more. So now they're up 3-0, and it would just keep on coming in the sixth inning. Again, this is right after they take out Reed Detmers for what you would think is a pretty reliable guy, a guy that the Angels brought in to, you know, get them to the back end of that bullpen, get them to the back end uh, to their main guys and be able to make a difference in this bullpen, Archie Bradley. But 
you know, this is probably, I think, easily his worst outing as an Angel so far. But he so in the sixth inning, he gives up two singles. Again, that's an early run. Gives up another single. So he gave up four straight singles in this game, followed by a ground out fielder's choice with score to run, and then a couple more ground outs. But by that time, by the end of the inning, it went from being th- uh, 2-0 to 5-0. And by that point, with the way the offense was rolling, uh, they would have been really hard. You can think really hard for the Angels to start kind of mounting a comeback, but because of the Baltimore Orioles, you would think, hey, you get a couple guys on, you get an opportunity, you get into that bullpen, you get into that team's kind of head a little bit, that team's psyche a little bit, maybe you can come out with this with a victory, a walk-off of some sort, or just a huge inning because we've seen it. I mean, we mentioned it before, they scored six in an inning at Houston, so it's not un heard of but at this point in the game they scored once in the first inning in Houston it has not scored a single run all the way to the bottom of the six in the next game so you're talking about over probably a game and a half span where they were not able to produce a single run and to me this offense is starting to scream streaky this offense is starting to scream inconsistent where you have times where you can absolutely mash the ball or you can even play like the small ball, kind of double, single uh, your way to a three or four runs an inning. And that's great, but there's certain times where you at least need to get a run in a inning. And it just seems like this team is, I don't know, pressing too much or if it's still the early you know, part of the season, the malaise of it, and just kind of getting back into the rhythm. Or, quite honestly, I don't know, maybe they took Baltimore Orioles for granted. I am not 100% sure on that. But you need to be able to not wait six innings against the Baltimore Orioles to score your first run. You, it needs to come quick. It needs to come often. I think that's what it needs to come often, not just one inning. But it needs to happen against Baltimore. But luckily, Andrew Velasquez was able to sack fly uh, to get Max Dassey to score in the sixth inning to get it a little closer, 4-5-1. to one. But a big shot to the arm was in the bottom of the seventh when Anthony Rendon hit a two-run home run that scored himself and Mike Trout to make it 5-3. to three. And at that point, you were hoping that you were going to be able to get a little more momentum, a little more, uh, again, guys in play, guys on base, guys able to move guys over. But... That is not what happened at all, and that was was really, really the bad part because you get Mike Trout that's on in the seventh. You, again, you hit, have Anthony Rendon home run, all with no outs. They make a mound visit. They you know they bring in a new guy, so you're kind of pretty much starting from scratch now, but you got those two runs, so you're kind of thinking, okay, let's keep the momentum going. Let's keep it going. Unfortunately, Taylor Wade flies out. Matt Duffy does single, but then you have a ground out. Um by Jared Walsh and then a pop out by Max Stassi. So the bottom of the lineup, not necessarily coming up like you would hope Uh, again. And that's, and that's pretty much it for the game. I mean, there's not a whole lot there. You have a couple singles, you have, uh, you have a single by Velasquez in the eighth and you have Otani hitting into a double play to get out of the inning again. Same thing. It's just how much of, how many of us would rather have Otani strike out there and you have trout coming up next with the opportunity to tie the game or, um, at least get on base with two outs. So, you know, people want to give, I mean, I guess give credit to strikeouts or want to talk bad about strikeouts. And I understand why, and it's kind of like not sexy or whatever, but 
you want to talk about let's put the ball in play, just put the ball in play, just put the ball in play. Well, guess what? Just putting the ball in play a lot of times ends up in a bad outcome. And when there's someone on on first, a lot of times it's probably going to be a double play if you don't get it out over the out over the infield. So with a strikeout, it's not terrible. With a ground out, you're rolling the dice. Maybe it does get through, maybe it doesn't. But four double plays definitely killed the Angels in this game. Game would end five to three with Baltimore taking the first game of the series. And again, you've seen this before. They lost the first series to Houston. They lost the first series or the first game of the series to uh, Texas, and they were able to come back and win the rest of the games in the series. So, in the back of your head, Angel fans, myself included, you're thinking, okay, there's no way they should have lost this game. But the fact that you had Noah Syndergaard coming up on Saturday night made you feel a little more comfortable that he's going to be a slump breaker, if you will. Even though it's one game, but a slump breaker. And I think that's what the Angels have lacked in the past, truthfully. Pitching-wise, is a pitcher that comes up in the rotation is pitching Friday night or Saturday night or Sunday night or whatever. And you have a feeling in the back of your head where it's like, yeah, we might be losing two or three games in a row, or we just lost a really tough game, but this guy is going to turn it around. This guy is going to give this team the best opportunity to, to win in the next game. And I believe that's Noah Syndergaard. He's pitched very well so far this year. And I believe that's Shohei Otani. So angels have two of those guys in the rotation. Now we're just going to have to start needing these other guys, these younger guys, to step up and be able to contribute more and more consistently. You know, Anthony Rendon did it in the Friday game, but you didn't get a whole bunch of uh, any other kind of contributions. You know, Trout, Rendon, Otani, I believe, are going to do what they're going to do. But there needs to be one of those other guys that steps up in a game, in the game, whether it's one guy or two guys, but someone in that bottom half of the lineup needs to step up every game and it can be a different guy every day, but that bottom of the lineup is definitely going to be a big, big part of what this season holds. You got Brandon Marsh, who is leading the team in RBIs, who's doing really great. You have Joe, who is very hit or miss right now, whether, you know, he seems to be really on or really off. You have Max Stassi, who's, who's a little more consistent, but you also need some contributions from Taylor Wade, Andrew Velasquez, uh, David Fletcher, when he gets back, some of those guys are very seems uh, hot and cold or, or streaky or just not very consistent. And, and you need some little more consistency from those guys in the back end. I'm not asking them to, you know, come out and hit 300 by any means. But I guess with me, if you hit like 230, 240, but are able to kind of come up clutch in certain situations, then it's a wash and it's all good. And those clutch situations would be something as simple as bunning a guy over or coming up knowing the situation two on you know one out a guy at third getting a sack fly producing that run that to me is more clutch than you know trying to drive a ball to the gap and hopefully the guy from first base scores because that's that's never a guarantee but when there's a guy on third with less than two outs you need to produce that run. That's like a that's that needs to be a, at a certain point and give me where you're going to do the right thing. You're going to be able to manufacture something, whether again, whether it's a pop fly or, or a bunt or, or something, you can't let a guy be stranded on third base when there's less than two outs. And all you have to do is put the ball in play at some point in the air, deep in the air. That to me is, is clutch. And we need some of those guys to come up a little more clutch and a little more consistently in those situations. And, 
the average and the on base and, and slugging and all that stuff can kind of take care of itself. But you're going to have opportunities with Otani, Trout, Rendon, Walsh ahead of the back end of the lineup. You need those guys to definitely produce and definitely come through. So now going into Friday night, like I mentioned, you had Noah Syndergaard on the mound. You had Noah Syndergaard there to try to right the ship. You, we talked about how great he's been the last couple outings and against a team like the Baltimore Orioles. You're hoping for... Uh, another outing like that. He got off to a little bit of a rough start in the first inning where after a base hit by Ryan uh, Mancastle and then a sack fly ro- by Rodon Odor, which Odor, I was kind of surprised, man. He let that beard grow back as soon as he got out of New York. Uh, if you remember, he was with New York. I think last year everything has to be shaved, but that beard is uh, back and better than ever. And as a man that tries to grow a beard every once in a while, I can appreciate that. But he ends up getting a sack fly, and the Baltimore Orioles took a 2-0 lead in the top of the first. But not to worry, because like I mentioned, Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, those guys will do things that will help this team all the time, guaranteed. And Trout didn't waste any time by top uh, the bottom of the first hitting a f- home run, third home run of the year to bring the score to 2-1. to one. And just because, you know, he's not done yet and no one else seems to be producing many runs. He comes up again in the bottom of the fifth and hits another home run to tie it 2-2. So you're at the bottom of the fifth, uh, tied 2-2. So you like where this is going. You're putting your, your, your team, I feel, in a good position. You're putting your team in a certain situation where now it's, you know, you hear the cliche, it's a 0-0 ball game and all that stuff. Well, guess what? It, it pretty much is a 0-0 ball game going to the last half of this game. Noah Syndergaard out there to start the sixth inning, gets two strikeouts, walks a man. Um, then Austin Hayes singles right after that walk. So now you have first and second with uh, two outs. And this is where Joe Madden decides to take out Noah Syndergaard. And if you watch the game live or even maybe even saw it, uh, this clip floating around online, Noah Syndergaard did not seem too happy about being taken out in this situation in the six. And I have to agree with him. He's going to be one of your tough guys. He's going to be one of your best guys. And Madden said there is no limitation to him coming into the season because of Tommy John surgery. So I don't understand why he felt there was a need to um, pull him out. He was sitting at, as I look it up, he was sitting at 88 pitches. You think he would be able to get through that inning with, again, two outs, two on. But this is Noah Syndergaard we're talking about. This has been your best pitcher this season so far. I think you definitely owe it to him to try to get this last out. Now, regardless of what the outcome was, because Aaron Loop did come in and did end up getting that third out, so no harm done. But I think you owe it to Noah Syndergaard to let him get that last out, Joe Madden. I think Joe Madden is, you know, something that we'll talk a little bit. I want to talk about that a little bit later, but there's something about Joe Madden right now that's not rubbing me the right way. And we'll talk again. We'll talk about it later. So he ends up taking Noah Syndergaard with five and two thirds. Again, I f- truly, truly feel that he could have gone, you know, out of that inning. And then you can kind of reevaluate it in the dugout. You can ask him how many pitches he has left. You can ask him how, how he feels. But again, he goes five and two thirds, giving up three hits, two earned runs, two walks, six strikeouts. Again, those two runs were in the first inning. He was absolutely shut down after that. So again, don't necessarily agree with it. Don't know why it happened, but 
it happened. So we go into the bottom of the six. Again, Angels um, get on the board with a two-run home run from Brandon Marsh. Again, a guy, a young guy, a young promising guy that if you've been following, if you've been following this podcast since I've joined, since me and Johnny really became to, came together and made this a more consistent, more weekly or even twice a week thing, you know, three, four years ago, you, you've seen this guy, Brandon, his climb, you know, from the minors to double A to triple A to now you've seen that climb. And I don't know about you guys. And I hope again, longtime listeners or even longtime followers on our Instagram and stuff like that. I hope you guys are having as much fun as I am seeing this guy absolutely rake. Like I said, it's fun to be, to see these guys come up and do their thing. But when you have seen a guy absolutely put the work in, seen a guy absolutely um, earn something like this, that's exactly what's happening with Brandon right now. And again, for as awesome as he's been on, again, if you've been listening to this podcast, you know he's been on four or five times throughout his whole minor league career to now. You even know I talked to his mom for Mother's Day a couple years ago. So it is fun. I hope you guys all feel a part of the journey. I hope you guys all feel part of the um, experience, if you will, because it's easy for a podcast, any podcast or any fan page or anything like that to see a good player, a young player, and want to be like, yeah, let's follow that guy. He's our guy after only seeing him play for maybe uh, a half a season or, or one full season in AAA. But we've been there. If you've been listening to this podcast, we've been there since day one. We've been there since single A baseball at NL Empire 66ers. So to see Brandon do well, it's it's awesome. And for him to continually to play well, and you know defensively he's going to nine times out of ten make the make the play in the outfield and be one of the bright up up and coming outfielders for the Angels. And it's a lot of fun. So he hits a two run home run in the bottom of the sixth to give the Angels a four to two. Uh, lead and you would hope at that point that it would stay that way you would hope that you know you got to Aaron Loop you kind of feel like Loop um you know Tapera maybe and then Iglesias like you're hoping like that's the that's going to be the sequence to hold the lead so Aaron Loop does come back in the seventh inning gives up the uh a leadoff single gets an out hit by pitch fielding air so this line out was right to Anthony Rendon makes a great, great diving catch. Like one where you see Rendon out there, you say, yes, he might be struggling at the plate. He might not be doing as well as we think he should be doing at the plate. But there's plays like this where you're like, yeah, that's why he's out there because he can save a run like this. And there was a game, I believe, on Friday too, where he gets the, the infields in, he makes a great diving catch from his knees, throws it home to get the base runner trying to score from third and and that saved the run because that that throw was not easy that throw had to be on the money and it was and he got tagged out and he had to play like this where if it gets through there's a very good chance that you're looking at um the 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 runner on first gets around to third or even you know maybe if depending how fast he is might be trying to score but anthony Rendon comes up with a great diving catch gets an out hit by pitch and then the very next play I don't know if it's just a lack of concentration or grip, trying to rush it, trying to. I'm not sure how fast um, Anthony uh, Saltander, I'm probably butchering that one, how fast he is. But I didn't feel like he needed necessarily to rush it. But he ends up uh, 
air mailing it, the end of all the base runners uh, advance or get on, I should say. So now it is bases loaded. Unfortunate for Ryan, uh, for Aaron Loop because at that point he gets taken out for Ryan Tapera. But now Ryan is coming up with bases loaded and what should be two outs. Again, should be two outs. You should be able to be able to pitch this guy normal. And then if there's a sack fly or there's a uh, fly ball like there is, you don't have to worry about someone scoring. But unfortunately, there's only one out. They get a sack fly to make the score three to four. Ryan Mancastle ends up hitting a two RBI single. And now the Baltimore's back in front. So not great. You got it to the guys you wanted to. And I guess from that point, I'm not upset necessarily about the moves in the bullpen. You got to Aaron Loop. You got to Ryan DePera. These are the two guys you want to bring in in certain situations. And you hope that they are able to get out of innings. You hope they're able to go one, two, three real quick, but they were not able to. I don't think you had to worry about, well, they should have went to so-and-so. They should have went to so-and-so. No, those are the guys you want in those situations to get you to the next pitcher, get to Iglesias, get to whoever. But those are the guys you want to see do well. Those are the guys you need to see to do well for this team to actually play at the top level and actually compete for a division. So in the bottom of the seventh, again, another opportunity um, – Shohei gets on with a walk, steals second. So now you're hoping for some kind of man on second, two outs. You're looking for some kind of base hit to get him home because it's a Shohei Otani. And you know if it's a single, anything in the gap, there's a good chance he's going to be going home. Strike out by Trout, fly out by Anthony Rendon on back-to-back at bats. So, again, not able to produce runs, not able to uh, move guys in certain situations to help the team. And the Angels are still down by one. So on the top of the eighth, Mike Myers comes in. And for the most part, you know, everything kind of just wraps up after that point in the after the seventh inning where Baltimore scores three. They're able to hold them to that five runs. But unfortunately, like we mentioned before, not great with manufacturing runs, manufacturing guys that get on base and move guys over. You had Duffy, Shohei, Trout got on with two outs, but unfortunately, Anthony Rendon grounded out to end the game. So you definitely need more guys to get on base. You definitely need to do something when they do get on base. And you're looking at uh, left on base. You're talking about 15 opportunities to get guys over or or possibly score with throughout this game and just didn't necessarily happen. But unfortunately... You stranded eight guys on base total. And you just you need something more than that. You need to be able to really um, what's the word I'm looking for? You need to you need to keep the, the consistency going. You need to be able to manufacture runs, you need to be able to move guys over all the time. And that did not happen in this game either. Two very, very winnable games. That's the most frustrating part of this series so far. The first two games. You there's chances to win both games. And now for a team that a lot of people have playoff hopes for, not just fans, but like people on TV, people that cover baseball professionally have high hopes for the Angels as far as getting to the playoffs. 
now they're struggling not to get swept by the Baltimore Orioles. So we go into Sunday's game. We're hoping as fans that we do not get swept by the Baltimore Orioles before uh, playing against the Cleveland Guardians. And so everything rides on this game, I guess, if you would say, just to save face and no one wants to get swept. And getting swept by this team would almost feel a little worse because of it. So coming to this game, we had uh, Jose Suarez on the mound, and he has been kind of like Reed Detmers in a way where I feel like he is kind of competing to keep his spot where it's at. Young, I think promising. You're going to get a couple good games out of him to where it's going to be like, wow, that was a you know seventh in, seven inning shutout kind of game. But you're looking for it to come, maybe not that often, but you're looking for a little more consistency. But the Angels would help out in the bottom of the first with one of these huge innings again that we talked about with this Jared Walsh single. Oh, that's a base hit. Otani's going to score. Mike Trout being waved around. Nice piece of hitting. Trout slides in. 2 nothing Halos. After a walk to Taylor Ward, Joe Adele would come up. And again, a guy that has been very kind of hot or cold, been able to get on base, but also has a lot of strikeouts. So you're kind of wondering what's going to happen next. But he absolutely turns this game wide open with this right here. Joe Adele drives that one. Right center is it And that would cap off a six-run first inning for the Angels. But like I said, I, I tweeted it out during this game. The good thing about scoring six runs in the first inning is that you can give your pitcher kind of a chance to relax and pitch without any kind of high stress behind it. You saw how well that worked with Otani out in Houston. The bad thing about it, though, that if you don't have that Otani type of outing by your pitcher – it gives the team a lot of time to catch up because there there is a full eight innings left in the game to chip away at the six runs, especially if your offense isn't adding on a run here or there. Like you're not looking for another huge six inning, uh, six run inning, but you're looking for maybe one in the third, one in the fifth, two in the sixth, just a slow trickle. So you're never giving the team an opportunity to feel like they're back in it. And that's exactly what happened when the Baltimore Orioles would score three runs in the top of the third by a Trey Mancini home run, cutting the lead in half. And again, if you come back out and they hit that three run Jack and it's, and it's six to three, but you're able to get one run back on the board to even extend it to just four, you take all that momentum away. You take all that, you know, hey, we got this kind of thing or we're going to start chipping away at this. You, you take all that away. You know, you, you kind of put in their head, well, we're going to score three. Dang, that means they're probably going to score three also. and We're going to be back in the same spot. And it just has not happened for the Angels this season. Every single time they get six runs in a game to start the game, the offense has really, really struggled the whole way through. But like I mentioned, after the third inning, you have the Baltimore Orioles cutting the lead in half, 6-3. to three. Now you fast forward a little bit to the top of the fifth. Again, Jose Suarez is out there. He ends up giving a leadoff walk, ends up striking out a batter, and then giving up a single to Cedric Mullins, which real quick, Cedric Mullins is a beast. I, I, I really enjoyed him watching him play last year, but this year it seems like he is just on the same kind of pace. 
the same kind of trajectory. And I hope for his sake, the Baltimore Orioles trade him at the before the deadline so he can actually play on a contending team because he can be the type that makes a difference for a contending team that needs a little pop in their lineup and a guy that can steal bases because he is a very, very good player. So he ends up singling. You end up getting a pitching substitution at this point, and Jose Suarez's day is over, and he was only able to go four and a third, giving up four hits, three runs, two walks, six strikeouts, and giving up one home run. Now, interesting interesting thing that came out on Twitter, I think Jeff Fletcher from the OC Register pointed it out, or maybe it was Sam Blum, one of the two. Jose Suarez's last three outings have all gone four and a third innings. And you need more than that from him. You need him to at least get through five. And if he can get through six, that is a bonus. But you need for him to get through five. At some point, you might just need him to, to try and trust him. I understand at this point why you didn't because this is a must-win game. This is a game where you cannot afford to drop the Baltimore like I mentioned earlier. So you take him out, and then you have Oliver Ortega to come in and try to hold the game exactly where it was. Well, he ends up getting out of that fifth inning with no harm done. Angels are still up uh, by three. Now going all the way now to the seventh inning is where it gets a little bit interesting now with the Angels. At this point, Aaron Loop is in the game. At this point, uh, Ortega has worked uh, out of some jams, and he's able to get the guys back into the dugout and able to get up to base, but up to plate. But obviously the lack of offensive production, you're still waiting for these guys to have some kind of inning to score some kind of runs after having a huge first inning. And it's just, I don't know what it is. It just has not seemed to happen. So with Aaron loop on the mound, uh, Cedric Mullins walks, he ends up getting out. We have a hit by pitch. Um, at that point with two on and one out, Austin Warren comes in, to face Ryan Mancastle, who singles and was able to get a guy home to make it four to six. After that, Austin Hayes comes up to tie the game with a two-run home run. And again, it was kind of, it was it was a bad pitch. It got as a backed up slider right where he wanted it. Ended up tying the game. Austin Warren's first home run given up since he's been with the Angels going back to last season. So I'm not necessarily worried about him as much as any other guy. Uh, he got hard, one hard hit ball here with, for the home run. The other base hit was a single. If it's, you know, if he's coming in with no one on base, it's a very mute point because it's a single. Nothing really happens. It's the one that the slider kind of backed up on him. The guy took advantage of it. But that's going to happen, and I don't think it's necessarily anything too much worry about. But the uh, Baltimore Orioles do tie it up 6-6. Six six. Now going into the seventh inning, you got Shohei Otani lead off the inning with a single. Shohei's trying to change it up a little bit. I don't know if you guys watched it and saw it on the broadcast going with the high socks. So pretty good day for him at the plate today with those high socks going 2-4-4 uh, for four with a walk. So on base three times. So hopefully uh, for everyone that kind of believes in the whole mojo thing, this kind of helps Otani get his mojo back and able to be that MVP that obviously everyone knows he can be. So after a Mike Trout, Mike Trout fly out, Anthony Rendon walks. We got a hit by pitch by Jared Walsh, which was very close, but luckily the replay held it up 
and we have now have bases loaded. And we had, to this point, Angels have had bases loaded a couple times in the game without being able to produce any runs. Well, this time, Taylor Ward comes up and walks. So they're able to walk in a run to make it 7-6. to six. But unfortunately, after that, again, that walk was great. Taylor, Taylor Ward did his job. He didn't swing at junk. The dude messed up four times. We were able to get a walk, get a run. Boom, perfect. But there's still opportunities to add more runs. This is a perfect opportunity. You have a single run lead. A base hit scores you two more. A sack fly scores you one more. But unfortunately, Matt Duffy, who pitched hit at this time for Joe Adele, came up and nothing. Then you had Kurt Suzuki come up. Same thing, nothing. So a perfectly good opportunity kind of goes by the wayside. Angels are not able to add on to their lead where you think at this point any little bit helps, and this is what they definitely needed to do. Well, the eighth inning comes up, comes around, and Jimmy Herget is on the mound. One, two, three, quick inning. You like it. And this is kind of what made me a little bit confused. At this point, you're going into the top or the bottom of the eighth, and Rossell Iglesias is nowhere to be found warming up in the bullpen. You would think in this, I don't want to call it like a must-win game, but at the same time, you can't afford to be swept by the Baltimore Orioles. So in a way, it is a must-win. Madden would later on come out and say, well, it was because he pitched a little bit the day before, even though it was 10 pitches and not necessarily a heavy workload. It wasn't like he struggled to get through an inning and pitched, you know, 25, 30 pitches. It was 10 pitches real quick. I was really surprised that he did not opt to go with Rossell Iglesias, the guy that you pay all this money for to be the closer in a game that, again, I don't want to say is a must win because I feel like that's kind of jumping the gun. But at the same time, it's a game you can't afford to lose because you already dropped two um, games earlier this series to the Baltimore Orioles. If if it, even if it was split, if it was split, if they split those first two, I probably would have had a better, okay, I can understand that. That makes sense. But you drop the first two. You need to win this third one. And then you can hope to, you know, manage the next series how you want to manage the next series. But you have to get the one right here at your feet. But unfortunately, um, Angels, I would have felt a lot better too, knowing that he wasn't warming up if the Angels would have scored uh, some more runs in the eighth inning. But that's not what happened at all, even though, again, another bases loaded opportunity. Granted, this time with two uh, outs, you had uh, an Otani single, a Trout single, and Anthony Rondon walk to load up the bases. And you have Jack Mayfield pitch hitting for Jared Walsh. Granted, I believe it was a lefty on the mound, so you understand that. But at some point, some point, you need to let him try to work his way out through lefties. I understand Jack Mayfield has been doing a really good job so far, but I don't necessarily know if that's Jack Mayfield long-term or if he's having a hot couple weeks. You need to have Jared Walsh. You need to get him consistent at bats, and that's going something. We'll talk about the whole Joe Madden thing in a minute, but yeah, I did understand it. He ends up flying out. So now you have uh, Jimmy Herget still pitching in the top of the ninth. So you're not even going to Archie Bradley, even though he's warming up. You're going to try to get like a six-out save with this guy, I guess. I don't know, in a run one-run game that you need to win. I don't understand the point at this at, at right now. If if Archie Bradley is up and warm, 
put him in. You're just wasting his opportunity. You're, you know, if you're going to say, well, we're going to rest Rossell because he pitched a little bit, but he also warmed up a couple times. Well, then guess what? The same thing with Archie Bradley. If you're going to do the same thing, you're going to, you know, if he's not going to be available tomorrow because he warmed up, well, put him in the game. I don't, I don't understand that at all. So Jimmy Herget ends up getting a, a single to start off the inning. Now they make the move to Archie Bradley where he ends up going strikeout, ground into a double play, end the game. Angels win 6-7 to seven and scave off that what we were worried about sweep of the Baltimore Orioles, and it should not have come to that by any means. Let me talk about our next sponsor, ColorCast. ColorCast is a live audio-only sports talk platform, free to download and free to use. Talk to fans, athletes, and interact in real time, perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Share your own experiences on the app. All you need to do is download the ColorCast app free in the iOS app store. Create a profile and link your Twitter. That's all. Come with your spectacular takes. Let me talk about Athletic Greens real quick. I take Athletic Greens. It is something that I take every morning. And guess what? It's easy to drink, which for me, that's number one. It's not like all your other vitamin powders that have that real earthy taste to it. This is very easy to drink, which makes it easy for me to take every day. All it takes is a single scoop in water every day, cold water. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a full year supply for free with your first purchase. That's immune-supporting vitamin D and five travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash sports drink. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash sports drink to take your ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutrition insurance. So with that game, they save being swept by the Baltimore Orioles. And I'm going to talk a little bit about Joe Madden real quick before we get into kind of looking ahead a little uh, to the next series. But I was not a huge proponent of bringing Joe Madden in at the beginning. And if you listen to this podcast, you remember that where me and Johnny were talking about it. right after he got hired. I understood why they did it. I understand why Artie Moreno wanted to do it because of the name, because of the history, because of uh, what he has done in Chicago and Tampa Bay. But I was not sold that he was a guy that could take a bunch of, um, at that time, average to below average players and all of a sudden turn them into one of the best teams in baseball. I don't think he's that type of manager. I think he's a type of manager that you give him good talent, he'll be able to manage it. I don't think he's the type of guy that can turn you know, or, or manage young ball players to get the most out of them. I think they have to develop those guys. You look at the places he's he's been and where he's won. Tampa Bay is still doing it without him in the same system without him. You know, Joe gets a lot of credit for being innovative and getting a lot of credit for being a guy, you know, I guess at the time when he was in Tampa Bay, like ahead of his time. He's he's looking at all the numbers he's looking at. Look at all of this he's doing. But guess what? Everyone has caught up. The advantages that he was using in Tampa Bay aren't advantages anymore because everyone's doing it. 
you know, he was a kind of one of the first managers to shift as much as he did. Well, now we see it in baseball all the time to a point where now it's going to be banned. What has he done recently that's innovative or different other than have Charles Barkley come to spring training or um, have, you know, some guy come talk to the team or, or whatever? Like, what has he done that's innovative to, to grant him that title or that reputation still? He was at one point, but like baseball players are athletes in general. Just because you're great at one point doesn't make you great all the way through your career. And I think that's kind of where we're at with Joe Madden. I am at least. He was good with Baltimore or he was good with Chicago. He was good with Tampa Bay. But I also have my questions as far as why he was good with them. Look at the guys behind the scenes. You know, at any point, I would rather take the Tampa Bay front office or Theo Epstein over Joe Madden. Because I feel like they are the ones that made kind of Joe Madden who he was. And now that you see there's no real advantage for him numbers wise of him looking at this number, looking at that number, playing the odds and whatever analytics is to you, that isn't his advantage anymore. And it used to be. So now it's like he's going more towards his, his gut and his more old school type of managing, which done by the right guy, I can see working. But now we're seeing that Madden isn't, that type of guy. I don't think Joe can even old school manage. You see sometimes how he handles the bullpen. I'm not a hundred percent sold on how he processes how to use a bullpen or if he gives a guy too much credit or not enough credit or when to pull a guy. At a certain point you need to let guys go and let them try to work their way out of a situation. At a certain point you need to let some of your best hitters hit more consistently. And I understand this platoon of, well, he hits right, righties better, lefties better, and all that type of thing. I understand it. But when it's not working or when it has like a hot two weeks and now you think it's, a, it's the end-all be-all, it, it doesn't make sense to me. I don't know how many other fans feel the same way I do about Joe Madden, but I think regardless of how this season ends, whether it ends with the Angels under 500 again or the Angels making the playoffs again, winning the division again, I think it might be time for Joe to go. I think it might be time for him to, and part of me does hope that they do have a good season, the Angels do, obviously because of a couple reasons. I'm a fan. I want to see them do have a good season because I haven't seen one in a while. But also maybe it gives that little incentive to Joe to kind of ride off into the sunset. If we want to see these young guys, I truly feel, if we want to see these young guys continue to develop, we need to get someone in there that Perry trusts and Perry is Perry's guy. Because right now, I think Perry's done a really good job as far as getting the right people in, uh, player-wise, in the right situation. I'm just not 100% sold that Joe can use him in the right way. Use him in a situation where it makes more sense than not. You know, trust the player saying, you know, I want to hit off this guy or I can pitch out of the bullpen today, even though I went yesterday. I'm just, I'm not 100% sold on Joe Madden. I don't think for, and and the pro Joe Madden fans are probably, again, going to come out and say, well, look what he did with Tampa Bay and look what he did with Chicago. Tampa Bay is still doing it and Chicago went 
downhill quickly right after he made the World Series and Theo left. So obviously, he's not one to kind of carry a team. He's one to kind of keep it afloat. But if the team is sinking, he's not one to pull them above water to grab their breath. I truly don't believe that. But the Angels are with him for at least the rest of this year. I'm not... I. I thought I heard something where he has an option for next year, but I'm not 100% sold on that. We'll see how that plays out. But I, for one, am not not sold on Joe Madden going into 2023 and beyond. Angels, I think, have to make a change. Madden has to has to go. And it sucks because he was such a big deal in, in 2 with this team on the bench next to Socia. But times change. Baseball is changing. Do we want an old school guy when the old school way necessarily isn't winning games? He might say the right things a lot of times, but I don't. I think there's more than that than just saying the right things. He's actually come out and said, you know, we owe it to the fans to be entertaining. We owe it to the fans to do things a certain way um, to so they have a good time at the ballpark or watching on TV. Do you know what's really entertaining to ball fans? Do you know what's really entertaining to Angel fans? It's not drag button or sack button or any of that stuff. Do what's really entertaining to fans is winning ball games. Plain and simple. So Joe can have the idea of, well, we owe it to our fans to be entertaining. And that's why I'm going to manage a certain way. Well, guess what? Winning 95 games is a hell of a lot more entertaining than only winning 82, but you got the ball in play and the ball's moving around and this and that. And, you, you know, winning's entertaining. So just win, plain and simple. This series starts off a 20-day straight part of the season. No days off until May 12th. This series is going to stretch. Obviously, they're in Anaheim right now, but they're going to fight to Chicago. They're going to fight to Boston. And after that Boston game on the East Coast, they're flying right back to Anaheim. This is going to be a very good test for the Angels and their depth. You heard me talk about it before. The depth isn't the best in the league by any means, but you're going to need it with a trip like this. Again, 20 straight days without a day off. So that's why I think it's very important that they should have, you know, it's very important to win the games early against Baltimore that are winnable because at the end of this road trip or end of this series, you have, again, you have Boston, uh, at the beginning of next week, and then a week after that, you have the Tampa Bay Rays in Anaheim, the last three games before our next day off. By that time, the guys are tired. Guys are ready to get a day off, get off their feet. But the ball, but the Tampa Bay Rays are a very good team, and so who knows how that's going to play out. So you need to get these wins early on in the 20-game stretch that you can, and dropping two out of three from Baltimore is not, not it. But now they do have the, the Cleveland Guardians coming in, with a record of seven and eight. The Angels currently stand at nine and seven. But you have Shane, don't call me Justin Bieber, on the mound Monday against Michael Lorenzen, trying to repeat his last uh, Angel Stadium performance and not the performance he had on the road, uh, I believe, against the Rangers. So that's going to be on Monday. After that, we have Tuesday, which I believe, yes, Patrick Sandoval, is going to take the mound at home um, against the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, Tristan McKenzie 
and he's a younger guy that kind of made a name for himself or came onto the map last year, if you remember. The the Cleveland Guardians are going to be a well-pitched team this series. You're getting their one, their two, and their three. So it's going to be very important that the Angels pitchers take advantage of their um, lackluster hitting and don't turn this into a 8-7 to seven ball game because the way Cleveland pitches, that doesn't work well for the Angels. Cleveland had a really tough time in New York over this last series. Didn't score a ton of runs, so you're hoping with that fly back to the to the West Coast that there is a little bit of a uh, uh, a jet lag, if you will, with it. But we'll have to wait and see. You also have Wednesday. You have Shohei Otani on the mound Wednesday night. Zach uh, Plesac is on the mound for. The Baltimore for the Cleveland Guardians, and then obviously the Thursday game, afternoon game, one o'clock game, before the Angels hit the road to Chicago. You're going to see Reed Detmers versus Cal Quantrell, who just recently, I believe, came off the IL from COVID, so he's only had a couple starts. But these games are nece- are definitely necessary. Like I mentioned, after this series, they get on a plane right after that game and hit the road to Chicago White Sox, who's Again, a team that is supposed to compete for their division, supposed to run away with their division. And yes, they're kind of, I think they're going through a little injury issues right now, Chicago is. But again, a team that's supposed to win a division, a team that if you want to say you're a division type of team, this is a very good measuring stick. And you cannot drop three or four from the Guardians if you want to feel that way. This is a must split at least type of series you have four games you must split it like i mentioned chicago then to boston afterwards two really good teams on the road i don't know what that's going to hold for the angels with all the days they have to play in a row and the travel behind it so you have to at least get two if you can get three out of four this series then you're all right you're you're on the right step because this is going to be a long road ahead for the angels again now they don't have an off day to may 12th so we'll see how that goes. We'll see how this all plays out. Hopefully, 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 Angels are able to get two out of three from this series and are able to be on, get a little more momentum behind them, able to rise Shohei, get a, get a start from him like they did in Houston, get a W there. Sandoval is able to pitch the game of his life this season. You know, and the same thing with Lorenz, improving that what he did uh, against. The Rangers wasn't him, and the, the guy that pitched against the Marlins was. So we'll have to see how that all plays out this upcoming week. The afternoon game is going to be on Thursday, April 28th. So that night, we will have our uh, podcast recording. So as, as always, you can text us, not text us, you can email us at allangelspodcast at gmail.com, or you can DM us at our social media feeds, Halo underscore Haven, both on Twitter and on Instagram. Interested to see what your guys' feedback is. I'm sure we'll probably do a Q&A very soon. Hopefully at the end of the month, uh, we will be able to do a Q&A and do a like end of the month kind of wrap up. So we'll see how that all plays out. Again, Guardians are in town for four games. Uh, hopefully the Angels are able, are able to take at least two. So Again, email us, allangelspodcast at gmail.com or our social media feed, halo underscore haven on Twitter and on Instagram. And again, want to thank everyone for listening and sharing this uh, podcast with their friends and with 
anyone that is looking for angel content we try to do the best we can with what we have and we really appreciate you new listeners and you listeners that have been along for the ride all the way way back for the last two or three years we really really appreciate it so until next time i am daniel garcia and this has been another edition of the all angels Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.